Welcome to The Conscious Investor. Let's get started. Welcome back to The Conscious Investor. I am so excited. I have been waiting months for this conversation with John Blayton. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, Julie, thank you. I'm looking really forward to it. I appreciate you having me on. Well, one of the reasons I've been looking forward to having you on the show so much is that I really appreciate people that are grounded and pushing the thought bubbles like past the comfort zone and everything that you do from your podcast to the interviews on other podcasts to everything what you create on social media is always pushing people past their their comfort zone and saying, hey, have you thought about this? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, there's always alternatives, right? And I think that that's one thing, you know, just kind of the American dream, right? I mean, that's kind of the the path that I had taken. You know, you want to go go to college, earn six figures, and then you just kind of plug away as much as you can into your retirement account until you ride off into the sunset. And just early on, I realized that you know that wasn't necessarily the direction that I wanted to go. And some childhood experiences kind of lended me to to pursuing alternative paths as well. And I just you know I really want to empower others and really allow them to know there's so much more out there to you, even though you know no one's going to feel sympathy for you know somebody that's a high in- income earner. But, you know, it's it's a lot more shallow than people realize, right? At the end of the day, it is just money, right? And I think that's what I'm really trying to push people to is pursue the life that they want and then find ways to create income and revenue streams that align with the life that you want versus, you know, find those revenue streams and then try to build the life around that. Oh, I love that. So what are you doing? In this first segment, we're going to just talk about you. Like, we'll talk about you. Don't worry. I know that you like to talk about yourself all the time. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, like, let's just get a heartbeat on what is it that you are doing right now in life? What makes John John? Who are you? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, so a few months ago, I decided to leave my corporate career. So I've been in corporate sales for a little bit over 10 years. And, you know, fortunately, it was was quite successful, but realized a couple years in that I just really didn't have that much control over over my ability to earn, right? You know, if the company chose to change the commission plan, or I'd, I'd been promoted, and I hit attained all my goals. And then within three months of getting a fairly sizable bonus, they demoted me, you know, because of company restructuring and that, you know, prevented me from making this another $50,000 bonus, right? You know, and so you see things like that happen. You're like, hey, I hit all these parameters and and I was just promoted. Like I thought I was doing all the right things and then things are out of your control. And so I think I just started becoming a lot more intentional and mindful of, you know, the more things that I can control my life, the, the better I'm going to be able to build the life that I want. And so about five years ago, my wife and I started investing in real estate. And again, it was totally unintentional happenstance. We, Because of the company we worked at, we had a non-discriminatory 401k plan and we could only put in an incremental amount of money into that. And so got into real estate a little bit, bought some properties. Again, you know, not intentional, just if a broker sent me a deal, I'd look at it. You know, I wasn't really, you know, grassroots or, you know, really attacking these. And so then for a couple of years, we stagnated a little bit more. And then kind of same thing was like, hey, you know, we really need to find ways to, to generate additional streams of income. So started looking at private lending and flipping. And, you know, that's a, that's a huge struggle in and of itself. You know, thankfully didn't lose any money on projects, but made a lot less <laughs> than I than I should have. Um, and then here most recently, you know, got a little bit into the multifamily space. And so started investing in some syndications, you know, 
active operator on a few smaller deals myself here in North Carolina. And then currently, you know, just continuing to pursue, pursue deals. Um, my wife's actually started to acquire a few companies herself. So she actually acquired two businesses during COVID, just small businesses and, you know, just helping her manage those. Then obviously helping coach others to kind of, you know, build that mindset and that process and that architecture to really get them to where they want to be and, and have that lifestyle and that lifestyle design. Okay. You said like a million things that I have to circle back to. I always go, if I was, if I was think, if I was listening to this, what questions would I ask? And you said something like right out of the gate. Well, some things happened in my childhood that just kind of let me, I, I, we have to go there. Like, <laughs> tell me what was it in your childhood that kind of laid a foundation from the very get-go? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't anything substantially negative. You know, I had a very fortunate upbringing, you know, kind of the nuclear family. My my mom stayed at home and my dad worked and, you know, my dad traveled quite a bit. And so that was just one thing that was really important to me growing up was I want to always be around for my kids. Not that my dad wasn't around, you know, we had a great, we have a great relationship and, and we were there, but that was just one thing again, you know, that was important to me that again, you know, kind of this lifestyle design could have pursued other career paths in the meantime that, you know, had more travel and more opportunities financially. But, you know, that was something that I intentionally chose not to pursue because that was important to me to be around for my family. The other thing was, uh, you know, he had a very successful, my dad had a very successful corporate career. um, And this is a little bit later on in life, but, you know, he ended up getting bought out by private equity and chewed up and spit out. And, you know, through that, you know, he had just had assigned so much of his self-worth to his career, right? And all this that he had worked towards his whole career, right? And, you know, he did really well. And obviously, you know, being bought out by private equity isn't the worst thing in the world, you know, financially, right? You know, you get, but, but, you know, deep down inside of him, he was really beaten down. And again, that was, you know, when I was, you know, kind of a young professional, so it wasn't childhood, but it was another part of my life that really kind of just ingrained in my head. Like I want to have control over this. I don't ever want to have somebody kind of just control that. And then also just, you know, I don't ever want to be defined by just one thing, you know, unless they're like, Hey, John's a great person or John's a great dad and father <laughs> or husband or whatever, you know, outside of those things, you know, I don't want to be like, Hey, John's a, you know, investor, John's a salesperson or whatever. Right. You know, I never want to be kind of defined by one of those things. Those can be part of making up who I am as a person, but I just never want to allow just one thing to be defined of, of who I am, at least from a career or, you know, livelihood perspective. Okay. Well, that kind of lends itself even into just watching your dad, that imprint into your life. And then you fast forward, you're being, you know, your company restructures, you're this high performing overachiever, knocking out all of the, you know, goals, and then you're demoted. Did you like see the correlation between the two? Was it one of those obvious type things or? Yeah, no, it's funny that you say it like that. No, not, not really. I mean, I think it was just kind of like, you know, more breadcrumbs kind of leading you to the answer. Right. It was just like, Hey, like who's really in control here? You know? And I think it just was like, you know, kind of someone like pulling the back of your shirt. You're like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm not really in control. Like as much as, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, this is the company's business, right? They can choose to fire me at any point in time. They can choose to, to grossly impact, you know, my ability to earn my customer base, whatever they want. And so I think, you know, it's funny that you say it like that, but I think it was more just, I don't know if I saw it that, you know, like for like, but I think it was more just another example of, you know, when you have, your income is dependent upon one stream or, or one individual or one company. There's a lot of risk there. Um, you know, and I mean, d- it depends how you define risk, right? You know, I mean, 
you know, fortunately we probably weren't going to not have food on the table if I lost my job, but you know, it would have been stressful and it would have been an emotional period of our life. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it was just one of those other scenarios. It's like, you know, you look outside and you're like, Hey, you know, there's another person that's kind of having, you know, tough luck from a corporate career. And I've just heard it and seen it too many times. And, you know, I had a really tough decision to make. I could have just quit or I could have, you know, stuck it out and stayed there. And I decided to stick it out because in my head, I knew that that wasn't going to be my long-term gain goal was to, to build this career. But, you know, if I was, you know, if I didn't have the thought process and a little bit less mature at the time, I would have just quit. You know I mean? I was, I came very close to just quitting because there's a lot of other circumstances that were not fun in that scenario. And I decided I'm just going to stick it out, but I'm going to start making this job work for me instead of me working for the job. And that's when I started doing the flipping and, and, you know, pursuing these other ventures. And, and I mean, just frankly, working a lot less, you know, because I knew that if I invested time in these other avenues, those are things that would retain and stay with me regardless if I stayed at that company or not. And so I think that's, you know, a question just for a lot of people when they're in these corporate situations is, are you going to stick it out? Because, you know, two or three years more in your current circumstance might, lead to you being free versus if you jump ship, now you're starting all over again. How is your income impacted? You know, now you're low man on the low man or woman on the totem pole. You know, if a corporate restructuring happens there, are they kicking you out the door? So, you know, there's all these circumstances and, and, you know, a lot of the customers I supported were, you know, folks that had been in corporate for a long time. And that was another thing that really impacted me because they were just, you know, I'm just kind of biding my time waiting to get laid off. And I was just like, you know, these are people, these are senior people that, you know, that have had, you know, tremendous careers. And it just seemed like, is that somewhere I wanted to be in 20 or 30 years while I'm just waiting for my, you know, for my moment to get laid off, to get my big package and then right off into retirement. And, you know, that was just another thing to me that was just like, this, this just isn't life the way I want to live it. And so that was kind of really what imprinted me and, you know, deciding to, to kind of pursue alternative paths and strategies. You know, what's interesting is that I was, you know, trying, kind of um, tying this into even government jobs. So, you know, stepping away from the corporate setting, but going to the government setting, when I was a classroom teacher, I started uh, teaching in the public schools at age 22. And uh, during those first, I transferred jobs to a different school district and uh, got into the premier one, right? Anyway, that's the first year I was there, they handed out pink slips. And that was my reality check. It's like, you know what? People think that if I go work for the government, if I have a federal job or a state job or I work for the county, right, whatever municipality it is, that I am set for life and I'm going to have a pension, I'm going to have this and that. And the reality is there are layoffs. <laughs> layoffs happen regardless what industry you are in, the layoffs happen. It's just yeah. part of life and a reality. And so you have to be saying, hey, who do I want to be and what do I, what do I want in my life? hundred percent. I mean, I have the ultimate respect for teachers. My sister-in-law is a teacher. And I just think for me, that's, that's one of the hardest jobs, you know, in the world, because, you know, obviously in my opinion, you're on, you know, the, the majority of teachers are underpaid and, and they're even starting to cut. If you get, you know, master's degrees and continuing education and they're kind of lowering, you know, how much they're even getting paid. And so I, I you know, I think that's a big part of it. I think the other side of the coin, you know, kind of like championing, Hey, control your destiny. It's scary. Right. I mean, when oh you're gosh, in control, it's so terrifying. When you're in it's control, I mean, 100%. And I think that's, that's, that's the factor that people need to weigh is, you know, which risk makes more sense in your life? Does it make more sense to bet on yourself? And I'm a salesperson, I'm kind of a gambler. And so, you know, I'd rather say, hey, I'll figure this out. And if I don't, you know, 
I'll just go get some crummy sales job and, you know, at least we'll be able to survive. And, you know, we live fairly conservatively, you know, for, for, for what we've done. And so, you know, I think that's the other side of it is if you're going to be stressed out all the time, you know, being an entrepreneur sounds exciting and sexy, but if you're going to be stressed out all the time about like, oh my gosh, you know, where's this next paycheck coming from, or I need this transaction to happen or hit, you know, are you going to start looking at doing things when, um, you know, when, Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. I totally lost my train of thought. But yeah, are you going to do things that aren't necessarily who you are as a person because you feel that you have to, you know, right. to make ends meet? And so I think that's kind of the balance that people have to weigh. And that's you know the, the transition that my wife and I made was kind of incremental. You know, it was like okay, let's add this stream, let's add that stream, let's add this, so that if you know if shit does hit the fan and you know we're kind of in a tough spot you know, we have means and we have different streams and scenarios that we can fall back on. And so that's why I think it's not just this, you know, shoot from the hip, you know, kind of all or nothing type scenario. And I think, especially for parents and working parents, I think that's, in my opinion, the best strategy is to make it more of an incremental type of process instead of just a rip the bandaid off. And I mean, it's going to be different for everybody, but, you know, I think a lot of people are like, Hey, I don't have any sources of additional income outside of my career, you know, should I quit my job? <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I really think no. you should invest in these other avenues, you know, and kind of really understand them first, because I think that's one thing we're going to talk about a little bit later too, but just kind of, you know, you have to make sure that it aligns with who you are as a person and, and what you want to pursue. Completely. And, you know, if you burn the ships, like what you're talking about and describing that stress, um, I'm just going to jump into this, this topic of freedom for a second, because I see, and you and I see this all the time within our, our spheres over on LinkedIn, especially it's like, you know, everybody's going for their freedom, you know, it's so cliche, it, it's cliche, you know, I'm going to have financial freedom. And it's like, what the heck does that even mean to you? So I was at this conference and it was, you know, one of those premier conferences this summer, we got to meet in person and I heard so many people saying, you know, um, freedom, freedom. I want my financial freedom. And really I, I said this and it's not very popular, but I'm like, what does that actually mean? And you've alluded to this. If you were just trading one job for another job, like, okay, great. You quit your W2. We're celebrating that. Hurrah. And I am happy if that's the path somebody is taking, I am cheering them on. But right now I think there's so many people that are misguided where they think, oh, I'm going to have this financial freedom and I'm going to be in control of all of, all of my time and my life's my destiny, blah, blah, blah. And they're, they've, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, not realizing great, I'm at this point where I can leave my W-2. Oh no, now I work harder than ever, but I'm working for myself. Like you're just trading something. Like what, what is really actually going to serve your life the best? And it might be, you know, working harder for yourself. It, I mean, but I don't know that people actually digest that. No, I mean, I think that's a thousand percent true. And I think that's kind of where the intentionality comes in for, you know, what do people really want? And for me, you know, I mean, I'll just say, you know, I want to make 25, 30 grand a month and work 10 to 15 hours a week on stuff I really care about. Right. You know, I don't need to be ultra rich, you know, I mean, and not mean, you know, depending on who you are, like, you know, I think that's good. I mean, that's good means, right. You know, you're living a, a nice life, but you're not, you know, a multimillionaire and, you know, with inflation and, and the economy, you know, who knows how, how comfortable life you'll be living. Hey, but I mean, I think that's kind of class what... in a few years, buddy. 
Exactly. Well, I th- and I think that's kind of, you know, when you think about things, it's like, okay, for me, it's the, it's the time effort that's involved. And again, not all weeks are going to be 10 to 15 hours. Some weeks are going to be 50 or 60 hours. Right. But it's, mm-hmm. it's being able to kind of, you know, whether those are feather those in, right. And just like, you know, some weeks may only be five hours on things, but it's on, again, it really comes back to things that I really care about and want to work on. And I think that's when you start stacking these different streams, you know, you're going to be able to, to be in a little bit more control of like, I do want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I think that's kind of where, you know, if you're working for yourself and that's your sole source of income, it's still just a single point failure. It doesn't matter if it's a job or for yourself, if it's just one avenue that you're creating revenue and income for your family and yourself, you know, in my opinion, I think that's still a risky proposition, even if you're betting on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, what? don't bet on yourself. No, <laughs> there are some things that I would not bet on myself on. <laughs> so, <laughs> just be, just be real with yourself. So how did you and your wife decide was there a conversion moment where you guys both just had this, like, was it an epiphany of like, oh my gosh, we have to have multiple Instagram screens and we're going to totally change our lifestyle. Or was this something that you kind of had and it grew like a thought that grew into something bigger? Yeah. I mean, I think it was always a thought in the back of our mind. Like I'm sure probably most couples are, Hey, you know, we don't want to retire at 65, right. You know, Hey, can we retire at 50 or can we retire at 45 or 40? You know? And I think that was kind of the goal was like, Hey, you know, can we retire, you know, closer to that 40 timeframe? You know, that was kind of, <clears throat> we had kids somewhat young. And so we were just like, you know, Hey, that would be enough. You know, our kids would start close to be getting into college and stuff. And so, you know, I think that was kind of how it first started. And then as we got into it, we realized, you know, this curve, you can really accelerate it at your leisure, right? You know, if you really want to jump in and, you know, kind of take on more risk, you know, there's, there's more upside and there's more wins that you can have. Right. And so I think, you know, we're kind of part of, you know, this gross, you know, asset bubble curve, whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, that we've, we've picked up a lot of opportunity and success because of that, but we've also kind of, you know, reached our arms out to try to grab some of it. And so I think, you know, initially it was, you know, I guess I'm about to turn, I'll be 34. So I'll turn 35 in in next year. And so I think 40 was kind of that time horizon that we were looking for. Right. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple opportunities came about that, that ended up expediting us faster. And, you know, the one thing that, so she was, she was pretty anti, you know, being an entrepreneur at all. Right. You know? And so she just was like, Hey, I do really well. And she's, she's extremely successful in her career. And so, you know, I think, but she's like, you know, now that like, we're kind of building this life that we want, you know, she's all about it. And so, you know, I think she just kind of still, you know, trying to feel out ultimately how she wants to pursue things and go down that path. But as I said, you know, I mean, she's a, she owns multiple small businesses now and, you know, and is operating those and, you know, has a career and is a mother. And so, you know, I think she's seeing kind of this bigger picture now of what our life can really look like. And, you know, especially as our daughters get older, you know, we want to be around because, you know, who knows what the world's going to be like. I mean, you know, with phones and social media and all that stuff, you know, I think we just want to make sure that we're there to support them so that they can be the best and efficient kids ever. So, you know, I mean, I think we started off with it being like a nine or 10 year process. And thankfully we were able to kind of condense it down to four or five years. Um, but, you know, that took a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, we, we lost a lot of money on opportunities and, you know, thankfully we were able to, to gain quite a bit, uh, you know, as well. It's a, it's a process, but it's remarkable to have, you know, a couple that is united, has a clear vision because a lot of times, you know, couples will have a shared essence, if you will, where, Hey, yeah, we both believe in this, but how to go about it creates more conflict than it does resolution or 
or intentional pursuit of it. And so I just think that that's really amazing and a really great example for everyone out, you know, who's listening. Like, let's, let's go follow John. <laughs> they, they have it figured out. <laughs> Trying to, we don't, we don't have it figured out. And I mean, I think that's kind of the point, you know, is we're, we just, we're just trying different things. And I think that's kind of goes back to like the flipping or private lending, like private lending is great, right? You just loan, you know, I just did one right now, you know, a couple months or I just actually, he just paid me back yesterday. And I mean, it's nice because you just lend someone money and they just pay you, you know, it's 12 points and 2%. And so it's like, you know, Hey, I'm just sitting here collecting a couple hundred bucks a month. And I mean, I'm literally doing nothing and mm-hmm. it's collateralized by a, a property. And so, <clears throat> you know, but then I realized that that's great, but it just, it wasn't expediting the curve. And I want in the way that I wanted, and then I did flipping. And again, that was a job. So I was like, well, that's no different than trading my time for dollars, you know, and then I was able to get into to multifamily. And now we're looking at some of these business opportunities and, you know, and again, it, you kind of have to you add some of them in, right. That's why it's the 10 to 15 hours a week. But if you're intentional, and if you're actually producing value during those work hours, you know, we're checking stuff or researching or prospecting or doing other things at other times, but that's stuff that we want to do. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, that's really, really the big portion is just, again, being intentional and making sure that you're being fruitful and valuing your own time and efforts. Yeah. Time is precious. And, um, it's easy to escape. It's easy to just hop into your office, your studio, whatever you're in and get lost in a project. I'm speaking for myself, throwing myself under the bus. And I have to have a clear idea. The clarity is key for me and in keeping me on track or my time just all of a sudden three hours is gone. And I'm thinking, how did, where did those three hours go? I mean, I was being quote productive, but where did those three hours go? So how do you hold yourself accountable for your time? Yeah, I mean, so for me, the big thing is my morning routine, you know, making sure that I get get that, you know, locked in. And, you know, obviously it's a, it's a moving target sometimes, especially having young kids, you know, they're starting to get more activities and I'm more of a morning person anyways, but unfortunately they are too, you know, so sometimes they're up at 5.45 or six or whatever, you know, so I'm kind of having to push my, my time forward, but, you know, it's really for me writing things down. Right. And, you know, having that checklist throughout the day and of, you know, what are the must haves that I must accomplish today? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I think, and I think that's the one, you know, I keep racking my brain about it, but I think the one that's most important for anything it's just, it's just deal flow. Right. You know, and I was even kind of thinking about it is, you know, or just acquisitions in general, how can you acquire more income streams and how can you acquire more customers? Right. If you're doing, if you're doing both of those things at any given time, you're going to be successful. Right. right. And then the, the caveat to that is how do you become more efficient in both of those? Right. How do you become more right. efficient at either spending less time in that income stream and making the same amount of money or making more money in the same amount of time? And then how do you find ways to acquire customers or deals or assets in a much easier process. Right. And so I think those are kind of some of the things that I try to do is like, you know, what can I do from a prospect prospecting perspective, but then also what can I do to potentially become more efficient or, you know, am I not looking at these things in the same, you know, am I just looking at these things with tunnel vision? You know, is there, a, if there's an alternate perspective that I can look at to see if, if there's other avenues to go down to, you know, to kind of reach those goals and attain what I'm looking for. Okay. Efficiency. That's huge. So what is, what is one thing that shifted for you with efficiency on any of this? I mean, you know, again, kind of going back to writing things down, you know, I think just being a salesperson and we're, we're ingrained to kind of document, 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 and, you know, we kind of are pretty bad at it, right? Because <laughs> we're, we're more, you know, we're more uh, oral and we're talking and, you know, and it's just kind of a headache sometimes to document all of your, your research and all that stuff. But I think that's one thing that I've started to do, you know, documenting, 
you know, my prospecting calls, documenting my emotions, documenting different things, just so that I can make sure that I'm, you know, that I'm, that I'm in line, you know, because I think we all go through these ebbs and flows of emotions and, you know, we get hyped up about something because we went to a conference or because we met somebody that, you know, was really enlightening and, you know, they got us excited about it. And then a week later, we're just like, oh man, like I'm feeling really down. And so I think just making sure to, to manage those ebbs and flows so that the down times aren't so down and that the high times aren't so high. And, you know, especially being a salesperson, that's difficult, but, you know, I think that's, that's one of the things is just making sure, you know, kind of writing things down and, and just making sure that you're holding yourself accountable to those actions that are imperative that you accomplish on a, on a day in a day out basis. And, and a lot of that's personal time too, right? You know, Hey, I've got to go pick up my kids with my, with my wife every evening, or, you know, when I'm, when we're at the dinner table, you know, no phones or no phones from five to seven, you know, when we're spending time with our kids. So there's a lot of things too, that are, that aren't necessarily just business, you know, related that are just like, am I becoming the person that I want to be? And, you know, how do I hold, you know, so my wife and I obviously try to do our best to, you know, to hold each other to, to those standards as well, especially around our daughters and things. That's super powerful. And those, those examples, I just think about the example with technology and I, I mean, I throw myself again, I'm throwing myself under the bus, but I look at the example I set with my phone and such, and we were having breakfast yesterday morning and I just, I, my phone was separate from everybody else, but you know, sometimes it's not, I actually, I think I went and put it away. And then I realized i like took my husband's phone gently. Cause I know what our goals are. We have the shared vision and shared goal of being together and to be intentional about that time together. It's, it's slipping through our fingers because our kids are getting older. And so I put his phone away and we, we both looked at each other. We knew it was happening. And we said it in front of the kids because we're their role models for how to do this. And we're imprinting on them. It's like, you guys are right here and we need to be here. This is our focus and attention right now, but it, it, that it has to start with some level of awareness. So good for you guys for starting when the kids are young, like really, really awesome. John, this is fantastic. I love just getting a snapshot overview of who are you and what do you have to offer? And I know that this is going to be just everything we've already spoken about is going to provide a level of challenge for listeners, especially when they're like, oh my gosh, I'm older than him. Hey, if you're older than John, it's not a big deal. Everybody lives their own journey and you don't need to feel any sense of pressure or, oh, I haven't achieved or arrived somewhere like live the life that unfolds before you. That's your life. And so if everyone does that, you will be satisfied and fulfilled. Um, John, best ways for people to get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I really appreciate them. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. So I appreciate you having me on. Uh, so the best way is uh, my website, contrariancashflow.com or uh, LinkedIn, obviously, John Blanton uh, or Contrarian Cashflow. So uh, no, absolutely. Really appreciate the time. I love it. Listeners, you guys are amazing. If you are getting anything of value from this, make sure that you drop um, a review so that we know that this episode just like rocked your world and helped you level up. Until next time, live big, love bigger. Overwhelmed by apartment syndication, but want to learn more? Let me help you press the easy button. Head over to threekeysinvestments.com and download Syndication Made Simple. I explain simply how the process works, who's involved, and how you can get started today. You're smart, and with this simple guide, you'll be able to understand the process. Head over to threekeysinvestments.com and download Syndication Made Simple.